This episode is brought to you by 9AM Health. 9AM Health, diabetes care that fits your life. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Healing in Hindsight, your Nobia source for thriving with diabetes. I'm Taylor Danielle, and I'm excited to be back with you to discuss even more deeply how we can manage our diabetes in a way that suits ourselves. Because we all know that living with this is a lifestyle, and a lot of times there's so much surface-level stuff that we're thrown at that we never actually get deeper to the thriving part. So let's do that. To kick things off with my guest this week, I sit down with fitness trainer, model, and actor Dex Geralds to really talk through stigma with type 2. It is something that I myself have experienced. It is something that he has experienced. And I think a lot of us in the type 2 community can sometimes feel conflicted when we see other types that don't always get the same type of treatment simply because it's type 2. And so on site, you would probably never think that he lives with diabetes like so many others. How do we navigate stigma when we live with type 2? And what are the ways that we can get better at educating people and not only other people, but ourselves and how we can thrive and still be great members of society without being assumed that we're lazy and just bad diabetics. I really don't like that type 2 is labeled that as the bad type of diabetes. There is no bad type. There is no good type. There is just diabetes and what variation that you have of it. So I'm really excited to dig deeper into this and his experiences. Here's my conversation with Dex Geralds. Let's do it. You're listening to Healing in Hindsight, your Nobia source for thriving with diabetes. What's up? I'm Taylor Danielle, and it's my goal to help millennials living with diabetes have an amazing life without your diagnosis getting in the way. I get it. I was diagnosed back in 2015 with type 2 diabetes, and I had no one around my age to understand how I could still travel, socialize, or even have meaningful relationships. But I feel like with a focus on mindset perspective and lifestyle changes that are unique to you, together, we can take back our health and our lives. Consider this the Red table talk for those living with diabetes. Minus the entanglements, though. So let's do it. Well, hi, Dex. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I am really excited to sit down with you today and talk about a perspective that I feel like, aside from myself, I haven't really had with anybody else, at least in the same age group and like the same shock value of like, hmm, you have this. So I, I think it's really cool to just pick your brain on stuff. Um, glad to have you here. Thanks for being here. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Yeah. So obviously I know who you are, but just in case by some happenstance, someone doesn't know who you are, could you just introduce yourself? Let us know where you're from and would love to hear your diagnosis story. Yeah. So uh, I am Dex Geralds. I am from uh, Michigan originally, but I've been living in LA the last eight years now, eight and a half years. I guess more about me is I'm a personal trainer. I also do fitness modeling and I do a little bit of acting on the side as well. As far as my diagnosis, so before I moved to LA, I was living in Boston and working at Buffalo Wild Wings. I was a manager there and I was also working out quite a bit at the time. I was starting to get really competitive in CrossFit. So I was probably fitter now, but I was the fittest I've ever been at that time, about nine years ago. And like I started noticing things, I was getting really thirsty a lot. I was using the bathroom at night quite a bit. I was getting irritable with people and I'm a naturally just happy person. So it was strange to be upset about things that normally don't bother me. And then yeah, one day I was watching a CrossFit video and there was an athlete on there who had diabetes or who has diabetes. And he started to name off those same symptoms I was experiencing. So ended up going to my doctor's office, which luckily was like two blocks away and told him, I think I have diabetes runs in my family. My mom had it, my dad had it. So checked my blood sugar. I think at that time, my blood sugar was like 400 or maybe more than 400. And yeah, and then, yeah, he said, yeah, I have type two diabetes. And yeah, since then my life's changed. I won't say quite a bit because I was already pretty active, but diet wise has changed. The way I navigate through life has changed. And mentally, I say that's probably the biggest thing is just living with a chronic illness like this can definitely run you down, especially when you're doing everything right. And your diabetes is no, nah, I don't care what you do or whatever you're doing is not going to work today. So yeah, just mentally 
having to change the way I think about things has been a lot different than how I was before my diagnosis. Yeah, that's crazy. Did your doctor react strangely? Because like you said, you're a pretty active and fit guy. And so for a lot of people, it's a shock value. No, you should have like type one or something like that. Or did they even suggest testing you for other types? Because type two is always the one that just gets the the short end of the stick, in my opinion, sometimes of there's this preconceived idea of what you should look like if you're diagnosed with type two. Yeah. When I first told him, I think I have type two diabetes. He was a little shocked. It like looked at me a little weird. It's like at the time, I think I was at like 9% body fat. So I'm like super, super fit. And so, yeah, I think there was a little hesitation, but once he told me I had type two diabetes, he didn't even try to see if I had type one or anything like that. The one thing like bothered me about my diagnosis and with my doctor, it was never anything about how to manage diabetes. It was like, all right, I'm going to put you on this medication and this medication. And that was pretty much it. Like, so I didn't learn anything from my doctor at all at the time on how to manage my diabetes, which now like knowing people in the health industry or career, they don't really learn a lot about diabetes at all. Some of them said they just have a short chapter in their book and that was it. And they don't really know much about it either. So yeah, not to get off from the subject subject of uh, the way I look in my diagnosis, but I don't know, it's kind of crazy that so many people live with diabetes right now and there's still not a lot of information for people to get on how to manage diabetes or yeah, just on how to manage it and live with it in a more positive way. Yeah, for sure. It it was very similar for me. It was just like, oh, you're young, take these meds and it's probably all that you ever have to do. And I was just like, okay. Um, and similar to you, like both of my parents have it. So there was no exploration of, okay, this is a family thing. Like I had to go ask my family, hey mom. And my mom comes from Southern Asia. So I'm like, hail Mary for me because she's been in the States so long. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's just, you know, switching to an American diet for other cultures. It's not as healthy, that kind of thing. What is it? She's like, nah, definitely runs rampant on your grandma's side. I'm like, okay, yeah. that would have been nice to know. And so not even to explore that is is crazy. So I can only imagine like that same frustration of cool. I'm like you said, I'm doing everything right. And here's where I am. And you're not really giving me anything to help me better manage besides having to take it upon myself to figure out what it is. I remember, yeah, I remember talking to my mom and she was like, yeah, I thought there's a good be a chance that you might get it. But I remember being upset by it because I'm like, I grew up, my grandmother passed away from complications of diabetes. So like I've always known about it mm -hmm. and I've tried my best to like stay healthy so I wouldn't get it. But I didn't know genetically that things like that was going to happen until my mom said it. And then I was a little upset with her. For like, why did you tell me like this? Yeah. <laughs> like that. I've only known it from the side that everyone else knows it. It's like poor diet. You don't exercise. Like you're not doing the things that you need to do to prevent yourself from having uh, illness like type 2 diabetes. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, same. I, I spent the whole year before when I was diagnosed trying to prevent it the wrong way. Total wrong way. I was not as active. I was like starting to stop active and like all the crazy fad diets. Yeah, it didn't help. But even so, even when I went to the doctor, like he monologued the entire appointment and didn't really help me. And I'm like, can I just get the blood test, please, to just see where I'm at? Because both my parents, so the same thing. And they didn't know, like, to, I had to start asking questions of what did you experience in symptoms? What happened with this? They didn't really talk about it with me or my sister. Of, hey, look out for these things. And I think it's just because I didn't really know that it was a hereditary thing. And now that's only becoming more prominent now. And so that's the part that's like crazy. And when people ask me of, oh, what caused it basically, which is still a step up better than what most people say, but it's, it's a family thing. And I'm sure the years of partying in college and fast food and drive-thrus didn't help either. I was at my heaviest when I was diagnosed. So it's, yeah, lifestyle factors kicked in, but I could have done everything, you know, kind of to, to your similar story and still would have ended up here. So it's not something, it's changing, you know, on how it's being viewed, which kind of leads me to my next question is after being diagnosed, what was your first encounter with facing stigma with type two? And like, how did you react to that situation? So I guess like my first encounter was one, like just going back to the gym that I was training at and letting everyone know, hey, I have diabetes and everyone just being shocked. And then it's always the first question is, oh, is it type one? Or people always say the good kind and the bad kind, even though diabetes is not 
good in the either case. So yeah, like, it was that. And then thinking about, okay, I like just talked to my mom and she told me about genetics and things like that. And then I think about I have a sister with diabetes or other family members with diabetes. And that really put in perspective to me, like the things that I used to hear from even other family members to my family members who have diabetes about like how unhealthy they are and like they cause this all on themselves and stuff like that. So like my first encounter was just, and it's still, I encounter this every day, whether I meet people at the gym or even when I'm dating and I tell someone I have diabetes, they automatically assume that it's type one mm -hmm. and uh, not, not type two. Yeah, it's just kind of crazy to, uh, again, like it's just the information out there is so short and yeah, I don't, I don't like it's, I don't know, it's, for, I don't know, I guess just being in this space for so long now, like I know these things and I don't know why I always expect someone else to just know that like you shouldn't look at a person and then automatically judge their lifestyle and assume that's the reason why they are diabetic um, or a certain type of uh, diabetic. And yeah, so yeah, I don't, yeah. Yeah, I know it's just weird to get that from people and knowing, okay, it's not that bad for me just because I am in shape and I'm constantly trying to be as healthy as I can be. But what it made me feel for is like my sisters or other people living in the world who has to get, who has this stigma on them all the time and really started to feel, and this is probably why I got into social media and talking about diabetes and the stigmas around it. I feel for these people and I really want other people to understand that it's not always the case of living in a unhealthy way while people have diabetes. It's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, I feel you like it's, it's, it throws you for a loop some of the things and especially in the world of social media and how um, everybody's a Google doctor and feels like they can weigh in right. on the experience. I think that's probably the weirdest part about being online is it's helpful when you can connect with others and hear similar stories and be able to share and in a way, educate people from your experience. But at the same time, hearing just how much misinformation that people have and hearing professionals who didn't spend a lot of time actually learning about it and can, you know, help you adjust to these things. And so it's, yeah, it's a whirlwind when you think about like how much we already have pressured on us. And then you add that layer of we're people of color on top of that. Our community is getting hit the hardest. And just with already the red tape of misinformation on general stuff, now it's also health stuff at that and hoping that you can connect with someone who can actually point you in the right direction of what the hell do I do and how do we fix it? Because I think that's a big part is just there's just so much lack of information and trying to be able to ensure that, you know, like I'm automatic high risk pregnancy if I decide that I want kids. And so it's great. Now I have to think about that. And what do I tell you know, my partner, this is a thing to be concerned about. So, you know, there's so many things that you have to factor in. And I think a lot of people don't realize that until it's right up on you. So many people who are all, all of a sudden are doctors and then they tell me how to manage my diabetes. And like, oh, my cousin, he started drinking alkaline water and now he doesn't have diabetes anymore. Or like some crazy bullshit that I'm like, all right, dude, I've tried a lot of things and I've lived with this illness. so. I appreciate like what you try to do, but like everybody's diabetes is different. I don't even know with the lack of information out there where they're getting this information. Yeah, I don't know. This, that's the biggest thing I think that bothers me is like someone trying to tell me how to manage my diabetes who has no knowledge of the subject other than my grandma had it and this is what she did or something like that. that that's, yeah, that's yeah. what makes me so mad. Yeah, that's, I think that's probably the, the biggest one that I... <sighs> I'm still trying to solve for X4 and I hate math, right? So it's just like, how in the hell do we figure out how to have these dialogues without people going and grabbing any piece of information online? And it's even nerve wracking with even scientific reviews. Like we're seeing such polar opposites, right? Like on one end, we're seeing a bunch of stuff about keto. And then on the other end, we're seeing a bunch of stuff about basically being vegan and all of these other things. And I'm like, both well, y'all have sides that have backed scientific review. Is it biased? Right. Can you both be right and both be wrong? Like, what, where am I supposed to lean to? And I think that's where I get frustrated and why I've just, I don't subscribe anymore to, I need to do this specifically. It's more of what have I tried for myself and how did my body respond? Because I wasn't in those clinical trials. I, I wasn't a part of any of those tests. So I can't say one way or another. 
if that's going to work for me or not. We have to make it just as unique as our fingerprints are because what even, I don't know if it's the same setup with you and your parents, but both of my parents also have type 2. My dad's on insulin, but I'm not. My mom's not on insulin. And we're all on different types of variations of metformin. And me and my dad, I take Ozempic, he takes Trulicity. It's so weird how we have the exact same thing, but our regiments and how we manage is completely different. And it's because we're each uniquely different outside of just the shared genetic material, if you will. And the boxing us in, I think, is where I get really frustrated. It's what I take is different from what my mom takes. And, and our journeys are completely different. And I'm in six years, they're in 10 or whatever. So it's crazy when people play Dr. Google and they have no clue what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and then those diet things, like I always hear those diet things, like, I tried keto and Not for me. keto didn't really work. Like it, it helped a little bit, but like the moment I had any kind of carbs, my blood sugar would shoot right up. So right. I got like my body's super sensitive now because I didn't eat carbs for a whole year. Like it was just fat's fat. So then I tried to be a vegan too, but with that diet, like there was a lot of things I was missing out on and I would have to take a lot more supplements to get into that. So yeah, it's, I know it's kind of crazy. And I know like new diabetics, I talk to them quite often. And the first thing I tell them is the way I manage my diabetes is not going to be the same way you manage yours. Like you have to figure out what works for you and then continue. It's just, it's always trial and error. Every day is trial and error. And yeah, you have to figure out what works for you. And that's going to be the best way for you to manage your diabetes. I can't really tell you how to do it from examples of how I do it. Yeah. Yeah. So with the idea of you, you, you're interacting with a lot of people who are newly diagnosed on a regular basis, like what are some of the misconceptions that you find yourself educating people on? And, and do you address it like right there in the moment, especially if it's in like a large group setting? Or do you, if there's particular, I'm, I'm thinking of family sometimes of how they'll be like, mm, they just sat down a big old plate of diabetes in front of me. And I'm just like, that's not how that works. Like I find myself reacting to friends and family when they do that. And I'm like, that's not how that works works because people forget. They immediately, you hear about it, that you have it, and they forget that you have it in that same instance. And I'm curious if you find yourself like, you know, just either reactionary or just because you're so used to it of just educating people on the spot about you know, those different misconceptions and things like that. Yeah, for me, it's not so much family. It's just usually like friends or whoever I'm dating, especially whoever I'm dating, because I like to plan dates. That's like my thing. I really enjoy dating. But I know a lot of times we go out and there's certain things I can't have or I tell them that I don't want to have just because I want my blood sugar to spike and stuff like that. And then I usually turns into an education moment where I tell them like I have it because genetics for the most part. And that's like the biggest one for most people is just like learning that it's just not about living an unhealthy lifestyle and genetics plays a big part and be coming or being diagnosed with uh, diabetes. And then like with friends, especially at my gym or gyms that I've worked at, there's always that joke. There's a piece of cake like, oh, I'm gonna eat some diabetes today or some shit like that. Yeah. Not always do I check it, but especially on days where like my diabetes is just not cooperating. Like mm -hmm. that, those days is like really get into people about saying things like that. Like, not only like it's hurtful for a lot of people, like when you say shit like that, but it's just, yeah, it just, it's not, I don't know. Like, I don't really get offended about things and I understand that it's a joke, but I understand like what you're doing to people when you put that on them and that stigma and thing about like their mental capacity and how they're going to deal with hearing something like that. So the next time they're going to, if they happen to slip up in their management and have something like a piece of cake, mm -hmm. like how that's going to affect them. Like I can create a eating disorder or something like that. So Usually that's, that's how I like educate people when I hear those like silly shit like that. And uh, I just, I like, I try, I try to do it the best way possible, not to show my anger or anything like that. But yeah, yeah. All my education usually comes to just people who don't understand or don't even want to understand about what diabetes is and how it's caused and stuff like that. Yeah. You're looking better than me because if there would be cake in the room, I'm petty as fuck. So hello. <laughs> I, I would have been like, yeah, I'm about to eat this cake because I have those moments where, you know, my my sarcastic tendencies come out because I think for me, it's the I can't. And I'm the person where like the minute someone tells me I can't do something, unless I, it's something like I genuinely know. Yeah, I'm not going to touch that. But like the challenge, competitive in my nature. So like you challenge me that I can't do something. I'm going to find a way to do it and make you look stupid at the same time. So. I'm getting worked on. God's working on me. I would have been petty. Because what do you mean I can't have cake? Or what? And that kind of thing. 
And I think that's my defense mechanism too. And I think for a lot of people, that's what it is. It's like, because you said that I'm going to have it and I'm going to prove that I can have it, then I'm going to go sit in the corner and scam myself 50 times and turn off my alarm so you don't hear that like, I just totally spike myself to prove a point because it's the principle, you know, and stuff like that. So yeah, I definitely, the jokes are probably where it gets weird for me. And it's funny because on the flip side, I've also noticed that my friends are, it's their form of care, but they're just assholes about it sometimes. <laughs> and so like, I, I also, you know, play video games and I stream on Twitch. And so I was telling one of them, they hopped in Discord and we're chatting as we're playing games. And I was like, oh yeah, I didn't eat today. So I'm stuffing my face with fruit snacks. And they're like, bro, what are you doing? Better. So it's, it's kind of cute in the way I'm like, yeah, okay, I guess whatever. But it's strange when those things come up and you have to remind them, but I've noticed that like they shift a little bit and being careful, but I try not to be too much of a hard ass unless they say something really out of pocket. And then I'm like, all right, yeah. calm, calm down. Yeah, I get that. So I'm curious though, you've done a lot of work and, and have done interviews and articles and I've gone through quite a few of them over the years of how you, again, you represent something that a lot of people don't see. And I think that's a, a uniqueness and totally no pressure. And I hope you don't feel pressured by the rest of the world because you are an enigma for a lot of people of don't look like someone who would live with type 2 diabetes specifically. Like you said, if you were to, if it were to be type 1, oh, okay, that's, it makes sense for some reason that clicks, but for type 2, it's like, what? So when you are battling these stigmas, and especially as a person of color, what are some thoughts about how organizations or medical professionals um, or community leaders can do to like really support us and ensuring that not only do we understand and are no longer afraid, because I know that's big in our community, is just being afraid of medical stuff. And I've heard family members say, I don't want to find out because if I find out, then like the world is over. But bringing that education back and ensuring that the right people are hearing it in, in your time and living with this, what have been some ideas of yours that you'd like to see come into play to help us better and especially for future generations? I think that's the biggest thing is just education in itself. I think a lot of health professionals just miss not only just learning about diabetes, but just the community in general and like the years of trauma that goes into it. And then the years of like, culturally, our food is heavy carbs. And like, why is that? And then when you go back to slavery and you think about we got the leftovers. So we had to figure out how to cook with the worst kind of food. And then we created this wonderful tasting food, soul food. So I think like just learning the history of it will help health uh, care professionals understand like where most people are coming from and let them uh, be able to educate people in a better way when it comes to nutrition. Uh, like, for me, luckily, I, like, I've been an athlete my whole life. And, like Michael Jordan didn't drink soda, so I didn't drink soda. So like I've already had these things implanted in me to try to be as healthy as I can be so I can perform at a high level. But most people, especially my family's from Alabama, so we already we only know this kind of eating and that has caused like generations of genetics where we've changed and now we're probably or more accessible, accessible, what is the word I'm looking for? Yeah, yeah, to, to diabetes. And I think that'd be a good start. And then learning how to teach people to break old habits. I think that'd be like the next step into better educating and helping people manage diabetes better. But yeah, I think it just goes back to the history of how people of color got this way and understanding that. And then I think once you get there, you'll learn, you'll be able to, again, teach people how to manage their diabetes in a better, more healthier way than previous before when I know, again, as a person of color and the people I talk to online, especially like I have people in Africa who reach out to me and they're like, I have diabetes and I don't want to tell my parents because it's going to be a, good, a big burden on them. So yeah, like I think be able to learn at a base level about our culture and being able to take that and then give the information on management of diabetes in a different way to make more people comfortable with going into the doctors and then getting to learn about their diagnosis and learning that it's not just, again, 
about eating bad, not exercising, and making them more comfortable about what they have and more optimistic about the possibilities of living with diabetes, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think something that mentioned the cultural food aspect, I think is huge because I think that's something that a lot of, we see sprinkles of it. It's just not, in my opinion, is in your face of teaching people how to have their cultural foods and it not, it, it being the better version or the version that you wish we could have had, you know, on it. Because I think that's probably the biggest thing is we get FOMO real bad. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but we get FOMO real bad. And so for you to say, hey, you can't have this is now that's all that I want. It's that psychological game. That's all that I want to have versus, hey, you can have this and here's a way to have it. And it still tastes and bring that because there's so many emotional memories with it, too. And because we connect memories with food, we're thinking we're taking away, you know, what we know versus just, hey, we got to separate that. (laughs) Uh, But be like, you can have this and not feel like you're missing out. Like for me, I grew up with both soul food and Thai food. So if you were telling me I could never have Thai food again and that was going to cure my diabetes, like we would have fighting words because it's no, like I, there has to be a way for me to be able to enjoy what I understood growing up with. It tear apart my health. And I think that's another area where you see this rise in health coaches and nutritionists and dietitians, and it's meet people where they're at with their food and not just carb counting. I think I don't know about you, carb counting stressing me the hell out. And when my endo told me to download another app, I was like, been there, done that, not doing it. I can guarantee you I'll do the right portions that I can do, but I'm not going to sit here. And did I not mention I hate math? Like, I'm not doing it all day long. If it's not money, I'm not doing it. I think that's an area where a lot of people have to meet us where we're at is like, no one takes the time to... A, teach us about other types of foods. I remember when kale suddenly became this huge thing and we're like, what the hell is that and why should I eat it? But just understanding, A, there's a whole world, like, world of different types of ingredients that we're not exposed to. And then B, meeting us where we're at with what our cultural upbringings are and giving us variations that help us enjoy that without adding to our illness. I think that's one of the biggest things that, that scares people off is if you say no more fried chicken and collard greens, like someone's giving up right then and there. <laughs> that's a right. problem. I'm never going to give that up. Like same, but I'll find a way to have it to where it doesn't send me going crazy because that's, I think that's the part that nobody teaches us. We have to figure out. And that's the other thing that I wanted to pick your brain on is like, how have you worked with your family in, in dispelling those fears? Because I've noticed Since I became diagnosed, it was definitely a a deeper conversation with my parents, mostly my dad, surprisingly. And then slowly my mom started to come around. My mom was the one who was diagnosed first. And I was still like nine or 10 when she was diagnosed. And I just knew that everything was sugar-free and certain things tasted weird because I was just so used to like regular sugar. But as I got older and it became prevalent for me, our conversations are deeper. And my mom will hit me up about different supplements and all these kind of things like that. And just hearing their stories of, hey, I actually stopped doing this because I'm just like, my mom was getting burnt out with her doctors and how they were talking to her. And she knows this is the problem and why we're not willing to go through the motions of doing stuff because we don't know how to fight back. We're too burnt out. And so I've had to tell I will go sit in your doctor's appointment and you tell them that this is what they need to do and that kind of thing. And my dad's kind of taking that mantle, but not her because she's just burnt out. So how have you worked with your family in taking what you've learned now and what they've gone through to try to change how our generations are doing? Because I don't want any of my family to, to feel this way. But if it's a thing, I want them to be empowered to be able to make choices and decisions, no matter what age they are, to get ahead of it. Because I think that's one of the things that, you know, even if we still would have ended up here, had someone told us and taught us, I think we could have, you know, progress further and been a bit more stable than just trial and error like we do every day. You know what I mean? Yeah, for me, yeah, it's just all about conversations and what you touched on earlier or just a moment ago, I tried to help introduce new foods to them. Obviously, like we're not going to take away the things that we've done before or in the past, but maybe live in that a little bit. But then to just add, like my biggest thing is just add more vegetables to your meals and that's going to help you stay fuller longer. Plus, low glycemic, you're not going to spike. But luckily, like my family is just curious people. So like even when my aunts or like my uncles, they come to Michigan and we talk, they always 
bring up diabetes. And yeah, we just have a conversation about what works and what doesn't work and, and everything that I've learned recently, just being in this space and knowing the people that I know with diabetes, I just kick that back to my family. And I try to like check in every now and then and see how they're doing, trying to help them with what I wish like my doctor or somebody did and just check in with them and see how they're doing with it. And what can we do differently to help them get to that point of eating more vegetables or cutting back on some things that they used to love. So yeah, we just talk about it and we talk about different ways to manage it. Like before my mom passed away, a lot of our conversations would be about like metformin, like when to take it, how do you feel when you take it? My mom was on insulin. So I'll always ask about that. Like, I never know, maybe I might get to that point where I have to be on it one day. So right. people have the knowledge of that. So it's cool in a way to have older family members who've been through it for a while already, like kick back knowledge to me. And then even though they're set in their ways a little bit, like I can kick new knowledge to them. And then we just help each other back and forth with how we manage things. Yeah, it's always just about dialogue and conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've actually, my grandmother on my dad's side, you know, also lives with type two. And we've been trying to figure out how could potentially implement the freestyle Libre for her because she still has her habits when she gets stressed out. She's you know, go straight to candy. There's always a little candy bowls around the house and Snickers is her like life. <laughs> and my dad was fascinated by the fact that, so I used the freestyle and thank God that they approved the app on the phone. I was so happy when they did that. I was like, please, <laughs> carrying the extra reader. Carrying that thing, yo, it's not a good look either. Yo, like... Yeah. I, I I now I'm to a point where I just literally carry my phone and then I have a little wallet thing on my keys and like just having a pocket or if I do have a bag, it's very small. So having that extra reader was difficult because I didn't have the right strips for it anyways. I had a whole different meter. So I'm carrying two technically in case for whatever reason, because I did have a sensor fall off one time. Good old bar just fell off. That was gross. <laughs> but my partner, he has the app too. So, because we don't live together. So whenever I go high, one time he actually came over because I wasn't responding to the alarms. And he was like, are you okay? I was like, oh, I was just knocked out, but I need to scan right now. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm like, so having that technology and my dad has like an Alexa set up, you know, for them there and stuff like that. And being able to help my grandmother potentially manage and see stuff in the moment because what they don't share when they give you a manual meter is to really have an idea of how you're doing throughout the day, you'd have to prick your finger 50 times and stuff like that. And just helping them know what's available, you know, I think is is absolutely amazing. Now, I can't remember why we didn't go for it for her. I think because the base app would have to be on my dad's phone and she's not texting. I think she she just now like maybe gets texting. Not really. <laughs> so it's the type of phone we would have to get her for it to be up to speed. But even just knowing that's a possibility at some point, I think is really cool and why we should continue to have those conversations with family because I've noticed a push in my parents because they're like, eh, you know, they're younger. And so they're like, we still want to be around. We don't want this to be the thing that defeats me. And it's interesting how us being involved in this space can trickle out to those close to us. That's really cool. Hey, y'all. So really quick, I just had to pause to talk to you about a service that I've actually been using for a couple of months now. And that service is 9am Health. And 9am Health is a virtual diabetes clinic that has pretty much everything that you need, which makes it so easy to manage without having to leave my house. I'm talking A1C labs done from home. I'm talking medication shipped directly to your house. I'm talking having your own diabetes care specialist who's educated in nutrition and diabetes care, who helps you with all of the little things that go in between management, things like helping with food or lifestyle changes or changing certain habits. They will support you in all of that. Or if you just need somebody to talk to you because it's one of those burnout weeks, right? So 9am Health has been super great and it's made my life a lot easier especially because it's so cheap. I don't even have to use insurance. It is so much cheaper than what I was paying with insurance. So I'm really grateful for 9am Health and everything that they're providing in order to make someone like myself have an easier time with diabetes care management because we all know it can be really challenging, but to know that I can text, call, or send them a message on the online app in order to get 
support, whether that's, hey, I don't know how my medication is going or, hey, I really need to talk to somebody because it's just I just don't want a diabetes today or being able to work with my diabetes care specialist on some of the mental blocks that I might have. It makes such a different experience because I'm being met where I'm at. And I don't know about you, but trying to take off time from work to go to the doctor, having to sit in the waiting room for 30 minutes only to meet with your doctor for five, it's just such an archaic experience. And I really feel that 9am Health changes all of that. So would love for you to try it out. Visit 9am.health to learn more or click the link in the show notes and tell them I sent you. So I want to ask you now as a train before I let you go, what has been some of your experiences working with clients? Do you have clients who directly seek you out because they know that you live with diabetes or do you find yourself having those educational moments with them if they learn that you do? And how do you integrate that into how you train them if it is for that type of support? So as far as clients seeking me out um, because I live with diabetes or have knowledge of diabetes, so actually not all that often, but I do have clients with diabetes and it just Turns out they have it and they're like, oh, I have it too. So things really work out really well that way. Shut up. What was the rest of the question? Oh, just just understanding. Do you ever do anything different or do you ever adjust how you train with them because you know that they have diabetes, things like that? Like I know you and I had an offline conversation of like on one of your posts about your blood sugar spikes sometimes. Like when I do intense cardio, I have to constantly check my blood sugar because it just it skyrockets. But like with weight training, it's a little bit different. So I'm curious if, if that ever implements into how you work with clients. Yeah. So yeah, with my clients with diabetes, first, like, I would love if all my clients had a Freestyle Libre or just a CGM in because it would help with the training. Like you said, like my body, when it comes to weightlifting, I don't really spike at all. Sometimes I actually go lower than I'm normally at. Usually I'm around like 110, 120. Sometimes when I weightlift, like I end at 90. And then when I do high intensity cardio, then I spike a lot. Just like recently, was it Monday? I went from like 150 to 300 in 30 minutes. So like when it comes to my clients with diabetes, like I like to have them monitor it for a while so we can figure out the trends of like how their body responds to weightlifting or cardio or both. I also like to give them longer rest periods so that way they don't have too much of a spike or too much of a low. Yeah. So it's, it's just, I do a lot more like interval stuff with my diabetic clients for that reason, just because blood sugar can go all over the uh, place. And yeah, that's pretty much, it's not too much different from uh, other clients other than I like my diabetic clients to test before we train, test in the middle of our session and test at the end of our session, just to make sure that we're good to go. And I know what works and what doesn't work with them and then build out a better uh, plan for them. So one, they can stay in the game longer. And then two, knowing those things will probably keep them on track when it comes to their diabetic management or diabetes management. Yeah, it's just a little, it's a lot more of data when it comes with, comes to training di diabetes or diabetics. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How do you actually feel about the rise of CGMs for those who don't live with diabetes? I know it's a mixed bag and I don't personally hate the idea. I just wish it was more accessible to us first. Because yeah. it's so difficult, you're seeing all of these different programs that are popping up. What, January.ai or something like that is one that came to mind that, like, and Facebook ads, they immediately just start showing it to you. But I'm just seeing this rise of like CGMs for fitness purposes. And it feels weird because it hasn't solved the issue for those who actually need it. And sure, yeah, it's, it, it seems like a fashion trend almost. So I'm curious how you feel about the rise of CGMs for for non-diabetes purposes, when there's still so many issues with access to technology within the diabetes community. Yeah, like access to a CGM, I wish was easier for a person with diabetes. Like I know they're expensive. Coming from a place of also as an athlete and a person who enjoys data, I can understand why. And usually the people that come up to me and ask me about it are like marathon runners or something like that, why they would want that to enhance their athletic performance. But another thing like I think about too is one of my clients who was pre-diabetic and I told him about CGM and he, I don't want to wear that on my arm, <laughs> but like more people were walking around with a CGM on their arm. I think more people will be more comfortable about it. True. And uh, that would just help. Cause I don't know, for me, like ever since I got the Freestyle Libre, like my management's been so much better just having that real time data. Yeah. And like 
able to make better decisions. So yeah, I, I think it sucks to think that like the people who need it might not be able to get it. And then the people who don't really need it have access to it. So that bothers me. But at the same time, I think there's good and bad to, to seeing other people wear, especially athletes. I can only imagine if Michael Jordan was wearing a CGM in a game one day, whoever was diabetic, who was like cautious about it, like the next day they'll go out to their doctor and like, let me get that. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, yeah, I struggle with it sometimes. Recently we shot a commercial for arthritis or something like that. But one of the people on set came up to me and asked me about the Freestyle Libre and wanted to know more. And then asked if they were diabetic. They were like, no, I just run marathons and I kind of just want to know where my glucose levels are. Super nice and came up positive, but at the same time in my head, I'm like, bro, you don't really need it. Like, you're not a professional athlete. But then later on, I started to think again that this can make people more comfortable if they've seen it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm it's weird. Leaking. Yeah. I like that blood sugar management in general has picked up with the keto wave and all kinds of things like seeing people pay more attention to that I think is important because like I tell people all the time like that hangry feeling where like you're getting a little agitated and you might be a little dizzy or you feel like drunk or something like that I was like that's just your blood sugar dropping dude that's all that it is and that's what we're dealing with sometimes more often than normal people if that's even a term so I think it's interesting how the stuff that we go through are common themes that anybody should pay attention to and why our diet is so important and why you know, we can't just lean on carb-heavy this or one extreme of the spectrum because it does play a role in, in how our body operates. I love the anime cells at work. I will never stop talking about it. I want them to do an episode on diabetes. I need to write them a letter <laughs> because it's, it's so interesting how they easily animate what your body is doing and they've got the little red blood cells and they've got these little vending machines of glucose. And they're like getting little puff pastries and stuff. And it's just it's how your body works. Ours just sometimes tips the scales on certain things. I would love to see uh, little insulins running around and how they're like trying to help. I'm just saying, I think it would be cute. But I think it's just interesting how I don't like to see like the capitalist side of it, of like people trying to make money off of it. But I do acknowledge and to a certain degree appreciate that it's a topic of conversation more than it has been because especially with just the recent health everything not just covid paying attention to okay the things that happens with those living with diabetes are actually common themes in other areas and we should pay attention to that and support that and provide access to resources for that because it's i wouldn't wish this on anybody for sure but like had we known a lot sooner or had we grown up in an environment where we could have gotten a lot further ahead of it. Who knows? Could it still be a thing? Yeah, I always love asking that question because it's. I had an interesting back and forth with someone who they didn't live with diabetes, but they had some other type of illness where it required them to keep track of their glucose and they were an athlete and all these things. And my perspective was just like, it would just be nice if someone like myself, because I waited like two years to get one, could actually get it and afford it versus like over in Europe. They're like, yeah, here you go. <laughs> just buy it. I'm like, we have that. So my last uh, question for you is, I'm just curious if you could go back in time before you were diagnosed and you could tell yourself one thing, what would it be? Oh, it's easy. Get regular checkups. I was doing everything right. I thought I was a super fit, super healthy person. So I didn't go to the doctors much. And I think if I would have do would have been to the doctors or got checkups every three or four months, I probably could have prolonged my diagnosis or prevented it. So yeah, like I would go back and say, get checked up often. Like I had health insurance at the time when I was diagnosed and pretty good health insurance too. And I just never took advantage of it. So yeah, just get checked up regularly. And that helps just so much, not even just diabetes, but just in health in general. So. Yeah, yeah that'd be the biggest thing. No, I feel that. I tell everybody, ask for the blood test. Right. Like, they are required. They can't, if they tell you no, you need to log it and say that you re they refuse to give you this because they can't. They can't. And so I tell everybody, yeah, just you already, especially if you do have insurance, you get the once a year. And they typically right. are still doing your blood tests and all of that. So you might as well make sure that they order that too, just as it never hurt to see where you're at because you never know and even if it's not genetic for you like 
genuinely never know. At the point that there, we still have chemicals that are used in our food system that's banned everywhere else. I'm, I'm like, yeah. check everything. <laughs> check everything. Yeah, like, it's crazy. All the stuff that's in our food. Like, like I think I read a study that ninety percent of the food in America contains some kind of sugar in it. Yeah. And they're allowed to disguise it with different names. Yeah. And so you never, the general population never knows what they're actually putting in their body. Insane to me that they're allowed to do that. It's crazy. I think I saw someone send me a video about chocolate and like the difference between our chocolate and like Swiss chocolate. And I won't hit you with the details because it's kind of gross, but I was just like, no wonder the IKEA chocolate tastes way better than what we ate here because what? Why is that in there? It's gross. Yeah, it's, it, it, it makes zero sense. And one day, and I'm sure that's where like the politics of stuff get frustrating. And it's just, ah, like, I wish money didn't rule rule the world sometimes. That's literally why. <laughs> but I understand the evils of capitalism yeah. and what are the products of it. Like, just me and I want to do whatever you want. Messing yeah. people up, knowingly messing people up. And you can get away with it because it's all about money. Yeah, it's that or just very deep-seated ideals. And, and I'm saying this coming off of catching up on Attack on Titan because that's like fresh <laughs> in my mind of, no, they had some deep-seated ideas. No spoilers here, but yeah, it's crazy how that much focus and drive can lead you to do. Uh, the last episode, yo, the last three, four episodes, yo, been incredible. Had to pause, take a breather. I, do I need a glass of wine right now? I was just like, I don't. What is happening right now? But at the same time, I low key get it. Like, Aaron's the man, and I get the mantle that he has to carry. Anything different from Aaron. Probably not. Maybe thinking in my current compassionate mind, sure, I could like, okay, there's a couple things. But after seeing all that, after seeing what happened before they even arrived, like, I get it. I get it. So, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to chat more. I'm lying about that because. Faces of color and all the years of like abuse and all that stuff. Like, I like, dang, are they making a connection? Yeah. This? Yo. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> I'm just like, and people don't like the show. And I, I get it. It's not for everybody. I just, I need to go look at the fours as to why. Because some people are like, I think it's one of the worst animes ever. And I'm like. That's mad crazy. It's the, the best twist in anime that I've seen in a very long time. Plus it's different. Like so much anime right now is all about like RPG style. I do love like, those. I'm not going to lie. I binge like four. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, um, but I will say the recent Sword Art Online, that was a good... I don't know if you caught up on that. Yeah. No, like after, after the second season, I started to watch the third season a little bit, and I just cut. The first season I thought was incredible, Yo, but after that... Get past it. I would dare to say you can maybe even skip the third season a little bit, but the most recent one, yeah. Oh, so they yeah. get back to form. Yeah, listen. I'm when... trying to find some more anime to watch anyway. Like, lately, I've been, I've been re-watching Bleach. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm so ready for that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I have, even though I've probably rewatched Bleach probably three times already. Like, yeah. Like, oh, I'm ready for that. But Demon Slayer has been like, yes. It's so beautiful. Yeah, I got to finish Entertainment District. So I'm almost caught up. But okay. well, Mugen Train, did you watch Mugen Train already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. That one hurt, and I needed a breather because that one hurt. And I, I don't think it's right how, like, it was like the first time in Naruto when finally you lost somebody. You were just like, right. okay, we're, we're here now. We're adults now. So you're about to start ruining my life and traumatizing me. Thanks. Yeah, man, there's been a couple that I've been watching that's been really good. So the, the list just keeps going. But yeah, I, I, I do fall for the RPG style. The, the no game, no life one. I'm, I'm a little upset they haven't come out with the new one. Yeah, basically it's about a brother, sister who are like really good at video, like all types of games. And they get sucked into this world where they removed all, like, war and murder. So everything is solved by playing a game of some sort. Wow. And so the god that pulls them in basically is just, like, beat, beat my setup. They become, like, rulers over this world. Like, it's pretty snazzy. I think you'd like it. Yeah. Okay. I think yeah, I'd check it out. Um, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. I can talk about anime all day. So many good things. So many good things. So, then before I let you go, how can the people find you? How can they get in touch with you if they just want to keep up with everything that you're doing? And you're doing amazing things. I feel like every time I get on your Instagram, you've got something cool going on. So, how can everybody follow you and get to know you? The best way is through Instagram at Dexterolds. I'm also based in LA. So, if anyone's looking for training, I train out of Pasadena. 
I'll probably be in downtown LA as well pretty soon. Yeah. Or I think like my emails on my Instagram account. So email works as well. So yeah, those would be the best ways to reach out to me. Well, dude, thank you so much for your time and for this definitely thoughtful conversation. Thank you for everything that you were doing to represent those of us and just spreading the right information and showing people that just because you live with it does not mean that you can't have six-pack abs. I just don't. Maybe one day. I don't know. I'll figure it out. But <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Uh, no problem. Thank you for your time and allowing me to share dialogue with you and share this space with me. Wow. What an amazing conversation with the one and only Dex Geralds. Dex, thank you so much again for your time your wisdom and just the thoughts on how you navigate something um, that is just deep and intricate and different for everybody. And I really think that it is important for us to have these conversations, especially when it comes to those of us who live with type two, because there is a lot of misinformation out there. There is a lot of unfortunate stigma and misconceptions that come out and at us. And especially as people of color, we have a lot more to have to unravel and work through. And so thinking through of how we can end the cycle of stigma, I think is extremely important. So I'm glad to be able to sit down with someone like Dex and talk through what that could look like for us. Please make sure that you guys go follow him on everything at Dex Gerald's on Instagram and keep up with everything that he's doing. He's always working on something cool. Of course, follow the show, hit that subscribe button. Make sure that you're also subscribing on your favorite platform where you listen to your podcast, whether that's Apple, you know, music, whether that's Spotify, Google, all the things, Amazon, and so many more platforms. Let me know what's going on with the show. I love feedback. So check out the weekly feedback post on Instagram and Facebook to communicate what you would like to see on the show. A lot of the things that are coming up are from direct DMs that you guys have sent me or comments that you've made on questions that you have. So please don't stop doing that. Reach out. Let me know what you want to hear and what you want to have talked about on the show because that helps us continue the conversation on how we can make diabetes something that is a lot easier to manage for the individual and how we can thrive with it. And even though I have my literal highs and lows with diabetes, I consider myself to be thriving because I'm doing everything that I want to do and then some without my diagnosis getting in the way. 